Yeah. So the basic sense of conscious contact is the senses. You're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yeah? And then in Buddhism they think they call the mind a, a sixth sense, which is it sees, and I don't mean visually, but it sees or understands or cognizes thoughts like the eye would see a bird fly by. Yeah? So that contact is what life's about. And that's what's happening all day. There's an engagement with seeming things outside of ourselves. And uh, in that engagement, the experiences occur. And that engagement is brought about by consciousness, not about by you and me. You and me is an afterthought. The consciousness is the what's in contact. But the, what the mental process does... And when you were a baby... You didn't know that, it was just obviously so. You didn't have a sense of a being a Paul or, or a Mary yet, yeah? And yet there was life going on. So consciousness was sort of, had been, hadn't been interpreted yet by the mental process, yeah? Consciousness was just, so you can see it with kids. If someone walks in a room, and you can see how attractive it is. I remember one time we had a meeting on Saturday, and some, someone came in, and this woman looked incredibly great. They must have spent $30,000 on plastic surgery and clothes and everything like that. And, and some people gave her a look, but then someone brought in a little baby, and that baby got all the attention, yeah? Because there was something so attractive about that. Because I would say it was the unbridled consciousness and contact, you know, just seeing someone who's actually alive and is in the midst of it, not living an interpretation of it. It's pretty damn attractive. So I think they, they, a lot of research says that after 18 months, the, uh, the sense of a self starts happening. Yeah, so then separation starts getting solidified and then it's us and them and, you know, and all like that and everything riffs off of that. And it tends to, some research says, that sense of being a self comes up around the same time the language center starts really getting activated. So the language, that's how we hear thoughts, yes? Thoughts, and they sound like they're being spoken by you, don't they? What you would call you, but it's just the the sound of these vocal cords, but you're identified with the body, so you think it's you. That sounds like that. It may seem very simple, but it's profoundly uh, influential because if the basic, what's actually going on is unnoticed, then an assumption about what's going on is is set up, and then that's taken to be so, and from that assumption, everything else fits out. It's almost like, it almost like geometrically progresses, yeah? So as soon as, like, let's say, an a lie or a mistake is taken to be so, it's like, it's, let's say, if you were, t- if you were inevitably going to take 10,000 steps in your life, yeah, everybody is wound up and they're going to have 10,000 steps in their action figure life, okay? The most important step would be the first one, because it sets the direction, yeah? So, then the 9,999 are based on that. They're going to, no matter, the step is innocent, let's say, but it now has an intention, it's going in a certain way. So this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, once that's in place, then it geometrically progresses. And then from that assumption, incredible impossibilities are entertained as being so. Like you cannot be here, or 
<laughs> it just blows your mind. Or that there's something called the past, which you can never visit right where you are. <laughs> you never see it. It just only can be thought about and felt maybe. <clears throat> but you'd have no visual of it. You never really meet it ever again. It's just the past. And then the future is <laughs> just this field of speculation that the mind riffs on. That's what it does. So here's the conscious contact. You know, I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching right now. I'm not doing it. That's the language you see is such so tricky. To, for us to describe it, it has to be put into subject noun in a way. I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, feeling. But that's actually the lie. It's not I'm seeing, hearing. It's consciousness is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. I got a call. <laughs> you know? So that consciousness is what's having an experience. Oh, it's in here. Forget it. It wasn't that important. got to make sure this is off, though. So the consciousness is what's having the experience, in a sense. It's not having it as like we have. But it's, it's, it's causing it, it's allowing all this to go on. But when, as soon as we attempt to explain anything that's going on, we use language to explain it. And language is like a subjective language used by objects. We're just like a camera location, consciousness is moving through, yeah? And then it's initiating this whole event, and yet in this case the camera thinks it's the one that's doing it, yeah? It doesn't, so it, it starts attending to all the different cameras, but it never gets the sense of the one awareness that's going through them all. It misses the whole enchilada. It's sort of like it concentrates on the trees and misses the forest, yeah? And it figures that I'll know the forest if I really study a tree. No, you fucking won't. You won't know the forest. It's when your lens opens up and from the tree, then you get the sense of the forest, yeah? So here's this one little idea, and so, Seeing is I'm seeing, hearing is I'm hearing, feeling is I'm feeling, tasting is I'm tasting, smelling is I'm smelling, thinking I'm thinking. There's the original heist, and it's going on every moment, because every moment that you're having a moment, or you seem to be in a moment, or there is a moment, there's consciousness going on. That's the only way you'd have any acknowledgement of there's a moment, is the basis of consciousness. So every moment has to be hijacked in a way. Now, after it's hijacked for a while, it gets into a habit where the mind now goes asleep into this trance, and it it takes what's not so to be so, and in taking what's not so to be so, it forgets what's so. Yeah? And it suffers the effects of forgetting what's so. And so, unfortunately, it tries to look for what's so, but it's identified with what's not so. So all the great little tricky little statements, not all of them, but a lot of them in spirituality, like what's looking is what you're looking for from St. Francis, uh, you know, the gateless gate, the open secret, it's so freaking obvious that you're missing it because what's looking is what you're looking for. See, we're busy, busily looking for, but we're not acknowledging actually what's looking. We just assume it's Paul. Or it's Mary. And that lazy assumption is enough to forget the fact of what's looking. So we busily run after tons of things, yeah, looking for ourselves. 
<laughs> because we wouldn't, why do we want to, we're not actually looking for ourselves because we think we already know what our self is. <laughs> so we're looking for something for the self to get better with or get an advantage, an advantage by instead of recognizing the master is phony. You're enslaved to a freaking idea. Well, where's the touchstone so that can be remembered every moment? Because consciousness is still in contact. So when you believe that you're not here, you're here. You know? if, if Thinking, in a sense, doesn't make it so. It only makes it appear to be so. You, No matter how much you're thinking that I'm not really here tonight, I'm worried about something that's going to happen next week, if you watch the surveillance camera, you're here. You're here. You, you believe that you're not here, but in fact you are here. Yeah? There's your solution to the imaginary problem. I can't believe what's, what's going to happen and what did happen. Well, the reason why you are believing what's going to happen or what did happen, because you're not here, in a sense, to recognize what's happening. Yeah? If you will recognize what's happening, it's an incredible immunity to what's not happening. <laughs> you can recognize this activity as it's actually not happening. It's being thought about a lot. It's being felt over. It's being ruminated. It's being regretted. It's being resented. But in fact, it's not actually going on. There's your out. Your out is that you're not in it. This is the only out that works. The only out I believe, because I've been around a lot of different people now, in spiritual groups and stuff, my humble sense is the only out that works is that you're not in. Yeah? If the in gets verified, then there's hundreds of ways of trying to get out of it. But the fact is, and if they fail, who gets to be blamed? The teacher, the mat, or usually you, yeah? the, the path, the teacher, you. But the fact is, there's nothing to blame. You're not in. You're not in what you believe you're in. And what do you need to do if you're not in something? Nothing. That's the solution. Now, the pause is it. The pause comes over you. That's the solution. Ding. So, a lot of people are trying to get out into what they can't be out of the moment. You can't be out of a moment without... You're the moment. You are the bringer of the moment. If you're not just the action figure appearing in it, you're the bringer of it. You're the consciousness. That's the moment. Yeah? So the idea of getting into that is unbelievably insane because it's built on that you could possibly be out of it. Yeah? I don't care if you're worrying three weeks from now and you totally believe you're preoccupied that. When your cat saunters by, it sees you as here. If it's affiliated, at least the body, it sees Paul's here. Paul's always here. It's Paul that doesn't believe so. The cat is a true believer that you can't be anywhere else other than where you are. You, you, you believe you could be somewhere else. And it's not you believing it. It's just mind believing it. There is no point where you're the cause of fucking anything, in a way. This you is constantly claiming everything. It's just a movement of mind. Yeah? You see it. Hearing, Buddha said, supposedly a lovely statement about hearing, 
is when you see, see. When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. Quite simple, yeah? But the seeing has been co-opted, and now it's you seeing something. The hearing is co-opted, now you're the hearer of that. The feeling is being co-opted, now you're the feeler, and something's felt, yeah? The emphasis immediately leaves the primary driving force of any event, which is the awareness, and is now put on the subject and the noun. You're living an interpretation. And you know what? It's not working for you, or you wouldn't be probably coming here. So we're not reclaiming anything. I'm not saying, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to war with the mind that's claiming consciousness. Who's that that's gonna go to war? It's just a mental apparition. There's just the seeing of that. And then you'll find out. I don't know what you, what will happen, but I bet you, you'll travel later to whoever, what ha- whatever happens in your life. You'll start traveling later. Because, as a description of a mental conundrum, it's pretty good. The heaviness in your life is the, is this constant activity of being obsessed with an idea of being a self. That's the heaviness. That's what's producing the heaviness. Why do I say that? Because when it's relieved, you travel light. So you can pretty much figure that was the dilemma, because when it diminishes and you start feeling better, it's obviously that was why I wasn't feeling better. Yeah? And you see it in recovery. as self-pity. I was just reading a thing in recovery at this meeting. It says self-pity is like the most something, the worst basic... Uh, defective character. It cuts off all communication with anyone else and it cuts you off from the sunlight of the spirit. Yeah? So the more obsessed with yourself or the mind's obsessed with the idea of being a self, then the more an impossibility is possible that you could be separate from source. Yeah? The more you're engaged at up the ass of self, the more you're up there, seemingly your mind, not you, then the more an impossibility becomes possible here. It appears to be so. It appears like you're totally disconnected. It appears like you don't sense the presence of consciousness all day. You're walking around, all you're seeing and feeling, tasting, touching things, and all these things, and then they're just thought about. Thought about. Every fucking contact is thought about. You know, It could have been a better contact. You know? It was, that was a terrible contact. So then desire and aversion starts happening, and then it just goes off. It's like giving John Coltrane, you know, a theme for a night. Hey, riff on separation, John. That's what the mind does. The mind's pretty powerful. If you go back to Christianity, Jesus said all the time, it's done according to your belief. As you think it, so it is. Or seemingly so. Because as you think it, it isn't. You just believe it is. Yeah. Because you see it. If the thoughts are believed in, then it's done according to your belief. Yeah. So if the thoughts are about next week and you believe that they're serious and that you're going to be there and that you're gonna, all this is going to happen to you, it's that belief that seemingly makes it so. And this is usually the point where say, okay, what do we have to do? Where's the path? Where's the practice? You already have a way of life, most of us. Yeah? This isn't 
this illumination isn't found through a path. It illuminates whatever you're doing. Yeah. When the mind changes, or if you want to call it your mind, everything's going to change. If you and I are giving everything all the meaning it has, and so let's say the central point where that meaning is issuing forth from, which is self-centeredness, something happens to that, and maybe the mind moves out of self-centeredness and goes into centeredness, still it's going to give tons of meaning to things, but they're going to be quite different meaning. Yeah? You won't be making mountains out of molehills. You'll see blue is blue and red is red. Things will become appropriate, in a sense. <laughs> so I was at this meeting today. Uh, people just talking about fear, 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 fear. You know, false evidence appearing real, <coughs> many acronyms. And it's stated in this book, this big book of recovery, very clearly, why do you have so much fear today? That's the statement. Pretty nice statement, yeah? And if you would, if everyone would get uh, presented with that statement, they could go off and start saying why they're in so much fear today. And probably their particulars would be really different, Yeah. I'm in fear because I don't have any money. I'm in fear that this girl's going to leave me. I'm in fear that this girl's going to stay. I'm in fear, you know, could go on and on and on and on and on. But he says, all right, forget all of that. That's just the expression and the manifestation of something. So isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? Oh. So here's all the expressions, yeah? Millions of them, riffing off of a, one premise. Yeah, the premise is the mind being relied on itself, on taking itself to be the controller, the doer, the haver, the alpha, and the omega. Right, the reliable one. That premise sets off this incredible manifestation of tons of myriad forms of fear. Yeah, tons of them just go off, like rippling, and then just rippling, and hitting more ripples, and more ripples, and just going off, and off, and off, and off. And to sort of deal with them, yes, and only deal with them, you're going to be at the effect, or at the whim of those ripples, constantly. Why not look back, because he was attempting to save us time. He made the statement, no matter what fear it seems to be that's occupying seemingly you right now, it's based on the mind being relied on self, relying on self. There's your solution. If you look there, and it registers, hey, that seems to be so. Maybe you have one or three or four examples. For some people, that's all you need. You see the principle in it. Others need many thousands of examples because the mind's stubborn. But maybe it only takes one example of a life on our self-will not being successful, and you see it, and then the mind expands on it. Yeah, it goes, oh, and it just goes through its little filaments of memory and it remembers all these times when there was, the main culprit was reliance on something that you're fucking not. Yeah, everything else stemmed from there. You're on to something. So you sit there with that, and you look, and okay, now there's also another statement, self can't get out of self, because this is its double lock. Yeah, It's like a parasite that has an incredible hostility towards the host. And so the normal reaction to the host would be to throw that freaking parasite off 
a second, half a second after it landed. But this menthol's parasite sneaks in and convinces the host that it's the host. So now you're listening towards, you're listening to serve the parasitical agenda, not the agenda. The agenda of being happy, joyous, and free is definitely distorted into being right and special and usually alone. <laughs> That's usually how it works. For a need of a drink or a shot, family. <laughs> and where you really want to get out of is its only solution, which is here. That's the incredible thing. It causes you not to want to be here. But the here that you don't want to be is a mental here. But you mistake it to be here, and you're acting out to try to get out of here. And for me, when I was trying to get out of here, it produced a lot of consequences. Like I had, I always like to say I had magnetic appeal to people in uniform. While I was in the pursuit of getting out of here, I was putting, I was getting put into jail cells quite a lot. <laughs> it was, and yet I was so sure that where I needed to get out of was here. It was here, but it was a mental here. A mental here that I've not actually ever been in. That was the freaking solution. That's right underneath my nose. That was the open secret. That was the gateless gate. The solution was, you're not where you think you are, Paul. That would have been, that's the solution. But I never got there through thinking. It says self can't get out of self. So the more I thought about it, the more sure I was that I was right. Yeah, that the last thing, the last place I need to be is right where I am, because it's unbearable. I didn't know why it was unbearable, but it sure seemed like it was unbearable. Yeah, so I was enslaved to a solution. Now people would say that was a lousy solution, shooting dope, but it was a pretty good one to me at the time. But I was enslaved to that. Other people were enslaved to other more subtle solutions, like spiritual seeking and stuff like that. It's the same addiction. It's mind riffing off of the addiction to self, yeah, and all of its lovely little tributaries that it can go down. Yeah. <laughs> so AA at least started to describe my condition, yeah. And I'm forever grateful for that because my mind was had the ability to be convinced. When I actually heard how screwed I was I got it, finally, and I hadn't died yet physically, so I had a chance to be here to get it. And it made an incredible impact on me, and it sobered me up, literally. I got sobered up about my situation. And if I get loaded, I'm fucked. Yeah? Simple as that. It's just not, it's not a line I can cross, you know what I mean? I can't go start using cocaine recreationally. It's not going to work for me. It's just not, you know, maybe it would amplify one night. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, this is what happened. And then about 11 years sober, I heard this idea, you know, this little whatever idea it was. The, uh, you're not that idea. And it was the first week in time my mind wasn't looking from it, but started looking at it. You know, it was different, yeah? It wasn't looking from the delusion, it was starting to look at the delusion. Yeah? That was a big shift. Because then I could see, yeah? Before I was only looking from it, so I could never see it, yeah? No matter how much I studied it, I couldn't get a good look at it because I was studying it from it, yeah? But when I had a little shift that I could start seeing it, I realized there ain't anybody home, yeah? That all it is, is really a trick of mind that uses repetition 
to keep up an illusion, to tell you the truth, yeah? The trick of mind is, everything that you come in contact with, the mental process claims it. How does it claim it? It says, all right, here's a bottle. It's just a subtle little shift. It's my bottle, yeah? So now the bottle is used to point to the owner of the bottle, yeah? Problem, my problem. The problem's used to point to the one who has the problem, yeah? Money, my money. The money is used to point to who has the money, yeah? So all now, everything about my life that I, I that's brought to this experience through conscious contact is now being claimed by the mental process to point to the phantom Paul. And what occurs is, all it does is point. The mind does the leap, yeah? And it's become a repetitive leap. You know what I mean? All the mind, all the claiming of everything, I'm the seer, I'm the feeler, I'm the taster, I'm the thinker, I'm this, I'm a that, I'm a this. All of that, all it can do is insinuate, infer, yes, indicate, imply, but it can't actually point at anything, because there's no thing there. Yeah? It just points, and then the mind does the rest. The mind looks at the pointer, and then makes the leap. Oh, I'm that which it's pointing to. Yeah? I'm that. And then there's a mental idea of you, like almost like a hologram, usually rooted in the body, presented, and that's the way you travel. You travel as that. And to reinforce that traveling as that, it thinks about it, yeah? It thinks about it somewhere somewhere else at some other time. So the holograph is almost like a homing pigeon nest for the thoughts, yeah? And the interest and attention keep those thoughts going to you somewhere else at some other time and you're thought about. And therefore, the mind remembers its making, its creation, which is you. It remembers it. Yeah? You're being remembered repetitively. And when there's a big spice of a day where you're out of that, it just runs over it like a speed bump and just neatly claims that its own absence Oh, that, oh, I had that epiphany, or I had that great awakening, I was there. No, you weren't. <laughs> There's nobody was there, and that what's always there. The, the sense of nobody being there is what's always there. Yeah? The sense of no thing is what's always there. So you have many moments during the day where that's the dominant sense, but the mental process just claims it, and, you're, and we're so lazy now, we fall right into, it's almost like a couch-like, uh, laziness of repetition. We immediately lay down and start believing the movies more and more. Yeah? Yet every day there are so many free samples to wake us up. To me that's love, really. You know? If there seemed to be a continuous, it can't be continuous, but pretty constant, uh, activation of the quote unquote problem, love would be that the solution would always be there. And that's what it is. Consciousness is love. Awareness is love. Because every moment, the mind's getting up to these shenanigans, the solution's right there. That's why they call it the open secret and the gateless gate. Because it's right, it's right, it's what's looking right now, not when you go to the retreat, not when you hone up on spiritual activities or purify yourself. What's looking is what you're looking for. There's no... Uh, exceptions, he didn't write in any amendments to that statement. It was a basic, clear statement. What's looking is what you're looking for. So when you seem to be looking for, save yourself a lot of trouble and just realize that's what's looking. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> Call off the doors. 
<laughs> the hunt's over. <laughs> the thing is, the mind is scared of that because it'll be it, it's afraid of a boredom in a way. It wants to be busy looking for something it already knows where it is. It just wants to be on the fucking. It's like the Easter egg hunt. It likes to play that thing, or when you have a uh, kid sing and you got a sadistic adult going, oh, you're getting warmer, you know, that warm, oh, really warm, you're really, oh, cold, cold, and there's an imaginary egg out there that you think you're getting close to Florida to. It's all made up. There's no fucking game about what you are. That's It just is, and you're not going to find it. Because how can you find what's, it's laid right out in the open. You're it. I couldn't have been today, I got mad. No, you were, that's what was looking. <laughs> what was looking was seeing the mental conception of you as being bad. <laughs> Whoops. So the conception of you can never get behind what's looking. You, there's no point, there's no way in hell a mental product could become, be, become prior to the awareness or consciousness. It's just a heist. It's like a mental heist. It's like, our security guard has been asleep for so long, you know, eating donuts and watching TV. It's just the thief's in there every day. I did this, I had that, I lost this. It's just it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yet, the awareness, the consciousness, I mean the rawness of it, isn't altered or affected by your lack of attention around it at all. It's always available at all times, as bright as it's ever going to be. All of our shenanigans cannot tarnish its brilliance. Yeah? And we can't polish it into being more brilliant. Yeah? So, recovery has a great program to diminish the mental condition. The obsession with the mental condition is what creates partitions, which creates, it gives things that, the, the meaning that they can be obstacles to, the, to us seeing the light. All of the, all of those things come from the mental condition being so amplified, yeah? The mind's given everything, all the meaning it has, so I can give an event during my day the meaning that that can separate me from my source, yeah? I can give you the meaning that you can, or bring me closer to the source. I can give my, my, my uh, history, the ability to block me off from the source, yeah? They can't block me off, but if I believe it, it will appear to be so. Yes? This is the mind giving everything all the meaning it has. And a lot of things, it will also give things meaning as the substitute for that. The substitute for your own nature is, com- is merging with someone else's nature, so that you have a special love that will, you know, and then you can look down on everyone else who doesn't have any love. You know? This is the thing they talk about in the Course of Miracles a lot. The special relationship and the holy relationship. Yeah, mind is doing that. Watch it. If you just, there's a lesson in the Course that says very simply, there's six lessons and the seventh lesson is this. The six lessons they talk about is like, hey, I, uh, I'm giving everything all the meaning it has, right? Everything I see has no meaning whatsoever. And it goes on and on and on. And then it leads to the seventh lesson, which is why all the six lessons are so, is the seventh lesson, which is I'm seeing only the past. That's basically all the mind's doing. The mind is remembering. It's sort of like a telescope that can help facilitate seeing the stars, right? Closer. But it actually doesn't. If you look at a telescope from a, from a, a distance and you look at the stars, the stars don't move closer, right? It just produces a perceptual 
closeness that the stars can be seen closer. If there's someone, something that's aware or conscious looking through the telescope. The telescope isn't bringing the stars closer. The lenses facilitate that awareness to see what seemed to be far to be closer. Yes, is it? So it's giving it meaning. So the meaning was it's far away, it looks through the telescope, now the meaning is that it, it moves closer. Yeah? But the meaning is not delivered by the telescope, it facilitates the awareness. Yeah? So let's say the consciousness walks away, and now the telescope decides, I'm the one who saw the stars. Yeah? But it can't see the stars, so that's all it can live by. I'm the one who saw the stars. So it produces a past. Yeah? A past. I was there, I did that, I did that. A past because it can't see the stars. Yeah? It's not what facilitated the stars being seen. It was consciousness looking through the lenses. Without the, without the awareness or the recognition of the consciousness, all you're getting is the mind's interpretation of life, which is it's only seeing life from the past. And so all our seeming reactions and responses here, even if they look so immediate, are just redoing, rehashing, refeeling, re blah blah. Yeah? It's just a regurgitation of something that never even happened. And that's how it hides the fact that it can't see. That its vision is a form of looking which is blind to the seeing. Yeah? The only way it could have any precedence here is that it has to be blind to the scene. For it to be the end-all and be-all, for it to be the king or the god of this world, it has to forget the real god in a sense. So all the while what's looking is what you're looking for, it's it's garbed or disguised in a form of looking called self-centeredness. And so you miss the scene that's right underneath that costume. There would be no seeing anything without consciousness. When the mental processes claim that, it sees only the past. But the seeing is still there. But it, 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 it totally neuters the seeing by seeing only the past. Because the past is a mental production, yeah? It's made up. But every moment the solution's available, because right underneath that form of looking is the seeing. Yeah? It can't have, it has no energy here, it has no energy here without consciousness. It's like a dead, lifeless event of mental activity. But it's infused with livingness by the, why, what it's claiming or why, what it's riding over, which is the scene. So right, while you're, you feel like you're looking, like I'm, I'm the one who's looking, I see things, this place is real, that's called self-centeredness. Right at that moment, you're defined by that way of looking is the scene. Yeah? But you can't look for it. <laughs> if you look for it, you'll never find it. Because it's the looking that's the blindness. Yeah? When you recognize you're not that which is looking, that's the seeing. What you're seeing is, I'm not that which is the looking. Yeah? I'm not all those pointers. Yeah. My mind went instead, of, went instead of making this lazy leap, it's now looking with like a sense of inquiry, and it turns around and there's no one there. And that's you, actually. You are the space of no one being there. If you, with, 
defined as a thing, then you're, you're driven to see everything else as a thing. You'll never recognize yourself because you're of no thing. That's why we're living this, this false thing going on all day because we can't recognize. It's like the fish like not recognizing it's in water. Yeah? It sees everything else in the water, but it never senses the waterness. So we're like, we're fucking wet as hell acting like we're dry. Why? Because we see only the past, and the past is incredibly dry. There's no life in it. It's like papyrus. It's not even that. It's like parchment. It's not even that. It's just like like a thin mental paper written by a mental pen. None of the elan vital, none of the feeling of life is there. It's just in recriminations and judgments and hopes that were splashed and nostalgia and memories that never fucking happened and yeah, I go home. I tell you, I did. We had a major event with my friends. We robbed this. We stole a truck, yeah, and we got pulled over. We were in a big, like, laundry truck. Um, this, we, there was a kegger. We were at a kegger. We went across the street. There was a gas station. We checked all the cars. This had the keys in it. We took it off. And as we were driving, we hit an oil tanker on the street. So <laughs> they, they, somehow the police got called, and we got pulled over. And we all came out, like eight of us, yeah. And he says, get out of here! And, so and two of us ran into the bushes, not me, John Barrow and this other guy, and they escaped, and the rest of us got caught. So when I go back home, and every, we're all together, everyone has a different take on that night. There was someone who was, I thought it was Peter Lepkowski driving, no, it was Paul Collin, and like this. So this whole idea of thinking you know what happened is just totally bogus. There's a great writer, Marquez, you ever hear Gabriel Marquez? He wrote a great story about a, a murder in South America, a little village, and there's seven eyewitnesses, and everyone has a totally different accounting of what happened. And yet, for every one of them, it's the truth, yeah? But everyone, everyone has a different story, yeah? Jesus, you don't see that? You don't see that this is like a... This is... pliable... <laughs> I mean, it's morphing. There's no solid real thing. It's mind. It's just riffing. It's just dreaming here. Yeah? It's dreaming solidity. It's dreaming you as solid. And yet it all, it's all empty in a way. That's the beautiful news. Because you can enjoy the dream really well if, you, if you're not taking yourself so much as the dreamt object. <laughs> it's a much nicer dream. When there's a little bit of levity involved, you're not taking yourself so seriously anymore. <laughs> the most serious the mind can be about self is being identified as one. Yeah. The most relying on self is identification. You can't rely on something more than that than to become totally identified with it. That's an incredible level of, identif- of reliance. So why am I in all anxiety? Why am I in all this stuff? Why am I in what... I think is so, that ain't so. It's because self-reliance is failing me. It's not like it failed me as a past event. It's failing me. Yeah. It's failing me so much that things I hope for, when they show up, I can't embrace. Because I'm worried that they're going to leave. Yeah. There's no way I can enjoy anything because the, the, spect- the specter of time is there. Oh, this is great, but it may not be tomorrow. How great is it then? Yeah? How great is anything if it's not lasting? And yet, that's all the mind is playing with. Yeah? 
So you work really hard for four years to get to one moment. I used to use it as like, a, I have this babe I want to have, a, you know, sex with. And, you know, I've been listening to her cat, you know, about a cat, hours after hours, you know. It looks, acting like I'm really interested. All I want is, you know, go horizontal. So I get the night, I got the lighthouse, you know, rented, and it's a stormy night, and I got Kenny G music up there and candles, <laughs> and this is what I've been waiting for for three years. She's waiting for me to grace me with her openness, whatever. And I go there, and as soon as I get, and I see her, I have a thought. Did I leave the oven on at home? I just blew the fucking whole thing, right? I can't even be there to that event I really wanted to be at, yeah? That's how dominant the mind is. One thought can ruin anything here. How does the thought have that much power? It doesn't. It's the sense that it's your thought. It's your power it's using. Yeah? I can see that if someone can be in a really bad state about what's not happening, it doesn't leap over to me. It's not contagious. I have total immunity to them. I feel empathy, but I'm not, you know, I'm not suffering from their imaginary condition. Yeah? But the same thoughts that were provoking that experience, that exquisite suffering that person's happening, if they were happening in my head and they were held as my thoughts, they would probably be producing a similar result. It's not the thought, it's the mind. It's mind. Mind is giving everything the meaning it has. And there's a whole lot of meaning to a thought when it's your thought. (laughs) I'll tell you, man, it's got a lot of juice. (laughs) Your thought can ruin your day. So, I don't know, I enjoyed seeing it finally. When I used to see it, I was an addict, so I'd be up like seven or ten days. And I usually did cocaine. And my mind would just be going crazy, and it produced so much mental suffering. But I learned a lot, really. You know, I saw, I saw, the, I saw the beast from almost head to toe. I was missing the tail. I was still identified as it. But that came later. But when I came, when I was, when I finally showed that the tail I was chasing was also it, <laughs> all that stuff that occurred downloaded a lot of information, and I feel like uh, that's the way I like to uh, address it. I don't care who we, what we are. I want to see what we're not. You know, if you can see what you're not, that's what you are. Is the seeing of that. When you're seeing what you're not, and that leap isn't being able to complete its circuitry, you know, the mind leaps, and then, it, but then it's the mind, it's the mind that's like the uh, the fixture is the uh, outlet, yeah. So the plug is is put, but you're the outlet. Once the outlet receives the plug, then the whole movie goes on, yeah. Lights, action, you know, let's go. But if you when you start seeing it, and you're not, there's no plug, you're not there. Yeah? It's just, all it is is trying to plug in. It can never plug in. That's immunity. That's true immunity to it. Yeah? Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Yes, and if it isn't you, I'll tell you, when you walk away from it, you won't look back. Just, it'll pull out the sirens of Ulysses, you know. <gasps> it'll try to get you with the big hooks. But if it's not you, you can actually just walk away free. You, know? you really can. Day at a time. You know? Because that's all there is. It's not like, you're never going to enter state. Us, us. Nothing is stable here, in a way. 
Everything is static, everything is happening, everything is affecting everything else. The context is stable, yes? But the manifestation isn't, it's always, it's like a giant chemistry set. It's just going off and making things and stuff like that all day. But let's say if your mental condition has a certain theme to it, it's not, you better look at the frame. The frame would be self-centeredness. That's what initiates the theme. It's mental states are just arising, yeah? But if there's, there's a theme to the mental states, let's say they're always negative or something like that, then that's the frames in the world, yeah? The self-centeredness. So instead of trying to change the mental states, look at the frame. If the frame ain't so, then this thing will become more like a mural. So one mental state blends into another mental state and you see the temporariness of it all, yeah? Instead of having them like pictures, like frames, for your mind to make a little like a photo thing, photo book out of it, memories, it's more of like a mural. There's no places where it's partitioned and, and cut off and pasted and made and used to verify stories, mental stories. It just keeps going. Just things arise and things arise and things arise. But the scene is always there to welcome whatever arises. Because the scene has never departed. Yeah? It's not like it rushes ahead and just gets there just before something arises. It's always there. Yeah? It doesn't have to, it's not something that's conditional that's arising to see what's arising. It's always there. So nothing that's arising ever beats it because it's always there. Yeah? It can't be late. So whatever's arising <laughs> is seen from what isn't arising. Yeah? That's where the influence shifts. If you can get a sense of what isn't arising, you'll have a... you'll just travel a lot lighter through all the arising and the departing, all the coming and all the going. Because you'll see it as just that, just coming and going. But what's seeing it never comes and never goes. Yeah? That basic dog shit awareness is just there. Yeah. And that's what's reliable. That's truly reliable. Because it's always there. Yeah? So it's this lady today shared, she's four kids, husband's gone, doesn't have enough money to live in Marine, you know, and it went on for 10 minutes, and the story is as valid as any story can be here, yeah? Now, what she needs, it's, it's like sort of her house is on fire, she needs a pail of water. Hearing that there is no self is probably not going to be a good message, in a sense, Yeah. <laughs> For that, because she's in the consequential level, seemingly. Her mind is really engaged there. It can't come out of there right now and look up, you know? So it needs a pail of water. It doesn't need another philosophy or anything like that. She needs help. So hopefully she'll find the help in our community. Yeah? But there'll be a point where she'll be able to look back and see, and maybe something will register about reliance on self as being the main influence in all that whole event. Yeah. And then you start seeing the trail of the quote-unquote problem, and then you recognize its little footing, yeah, 
And it's like putting a string on a mouse's tail. You follow it back to its hole. You, you watch, and you see that selfing is just a verb. Yeah, It's obsession with self. It isn't like obsession with a noun called self. It's obsession with self. That's the verb. Yeah, When the mind is listening to the obsession with self, it feels like it's a self. That's the product of the obsession with self. The obsession with self is used to trigger the feeling of being a self. That's why the broadcasting is going on endlessly in your head all day. Yes? <laughs> and it's definitely not about navigating a Wednesday night in October 2012. It's just something that has a much different purpose. It's like the glue to bond you to the idea of being self. <laughs> and it has to be applied quite a lot. So you have tons of thoughts... <laughs> <laughs> all day <laughs> applying that glue so that the leap will become the habit and then the thing just goes and, you, and your mind leaps right into being the self. Yeah? So you got a little bit of anxiety, <gasps> lifelong fear. <laughs> you feel bummed out for five minutes. I gotta take some pills, I'm in a depression. Yeah. It'll just it'll just make a little ah! and then you'll, the mind will scare into action. Yeah? It's unbelievable. So there is a solution, there really is. Any questions? Yeah. Can I ask one? Yeah. Uh, so there's this sideshow that I've just constructed and am so interested in and it's like my story and I you know it's just this this mesmerizing sideshow which I just jump right back into and how you know I, it seems like some people get away with it without it becoming uh, as dis, as full of discomfort like when I when I get into my sideshow and I've been there for now for a while like kind of like running my life like that's my bottle of water that I bought with my money that I have you know I'm, I lost my job so you know like there's a story behind that fucking bottle of water it's like yeah. who's is it I don't know um, I've been running my life and it's 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 uncomfortable why is it so attractive well, you know this, uh, well the mind cherishes it <clears throat> it's another statement they use in Buddhism a lot the cherishing of self so the mind makes it up, and it's some. It's one. I, in the course, they don't like to use the word creation when it comes to conditional mind, but it made this thing up, and it loves what it made up. Yeah, it's like an addiction to self. Just I knew I hated cocaine and what it did to me, but I loved it because that was an addiction. Yeah. Well, the first addiction that everything else is a pale like replication of out here is addiction to self. The mind is addicted to self. Yeah? It's addicted to its story. You'll be bored about someone else's story if you're totally mesmerized by your story. Yeah? <laughs> it's, a, it's like a very private little porno theater up there. But you're like the star, the audience, the projectorist, whatever. You're like, you're in, you believe it's all about you. Yeah? And sometimes the, 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 uh, the content doesn't matter. It, that the point is that it's about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's an addiction. And what else? What happens is 
without looking at that addiction, it spawns a lot of other addictions, yeah? I mean, I was trying to get out of self shooting coke. I wanted to get out of my fucking head. You know, so that was a solution to my first dilemma, which is the mind's addiction to self. An aspect of me wanted to get out of that addiction by getting into drugs, and it worked temporarily, maybe five minutes every time I shot up, but then I was in like a, a very time-drawn-out hell, you know? But I kept going back to that well, over and over and over again, willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. Yeah? Well, that's what's happening here. No matter how uncomfortable the identification as self is, we're holding out that it's somehow it's going to get miraculously better when we win the lotto or whatever. Or, you know, I meet that certain someone where you met certain someones many times before. <laughs> but there's always this hope, this eternal hope of somehow it's going to work out. And people don't want to get the the real fact that, no, it ain't. <laughs> you know? It's an addiction, just like every other addiction. Have any addictions really turned out well for you? Not for me. I mean, I never got to a point where I shot coke where I was really happy that it was my last shot. And I said, oh, I'm just totally satisfied now. I'm just coked out forever. Let's move on to the next. Let's do that, you know. It was always a drive and a drive, and the more I got, the more ravenous I became. Well, that's the exact same things happening way on, way in the blueprint room, up in this little activity where you can't see it, but this is what can't be seen has the most influence in what's seen. Yeah, what can't be seen is what has the most influence. Yeah. The things that are happening up there are setting the blueprints for all of these manifestations. Yeah. And it wants, it likes its little dream house. It likes its little dream idea. I'm the toughest junkie, you know. I mean, when I was a junkie, there was a, there was like a hierarchy of who could handle their, uh, tweaks, you know. I mean, we had our little pecking order. Oh, that guy's great, man. I've been up with him eight days. He never looked underneath the door or out the window. You know? <laughs> I like partying with him. You know, and I was, oh, he gets fucking low. You know, he flips out in two days. He's like a minor leaguer. I mean, this is, it doesn't matter what meal you're in. It's the same mental activity, thinking you're better or worse, <laughs> like this. And, and, you know, the mind indulges in that, and you're like a big star in your own little world. Yeah, so... You can come. You can become sober if you really can look at it and see the futility of it. Because if if it keeps offering you formulas and none of them have actually worked, then why would you want to wait for the the twentieth one? Maybe you should jump off the boat now. Yeah, sort of like to me, it's like a dead horse. You, you, if everyone's sitting on a dead horse, we can act like it's alive and riding. But when you see someone who's actually riding, you get, hey, I'm on a fucking dead horse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get up and leave the dead horse, yes? That's the point of these meetings in a way. Is to, is to imply that, <laughs> let's get up. You know, it's a dead horse. <laughs> it's beaten into the ground. Yeah. Yeah? So, um, what are those periods of like pure awareness? You know, where you you feel like you you really aren't a self, and you just feel totally aware, and everything's more brilliant and more just like 
um, all one, you know, sequence yeah. and everything. So is that is that that state of like being uh, no self and yeah, and yeah, okay, and then. But that's just one attribute. It doesn't always look that way, but okay. it's one, yeah. Okay. This is this is a state of being not self right now. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and so you can uh, be aware I mean have that same awareness and Well you and are, you are that right. awareness. Right, okay. Yeah. It's just you're having an experience that's let's say is really nice and then a lot of times the experiences don't seem to be so nice. But in both cases, there's the awareness is there. Yeah. yeah? Right. So, like we were talking about the other day, when I came into recovery, I had a strong sense of entitlement. Nothing was ever enough, right? And I, there was no sense of gratitude whatsoever in my life. So, uh, what happened is, after a while, I did things that put in, in put you into a position where mind could feel gratitude. And I started to have, I, I understood what gratitude was, yeah? And if over, and it was, used to be a great experience, like when you're so ungrateful and you walk in and you hear this incredible story of how this person is in such a bad shape and they're trying to get their life better and just evokes this great experience of gratitude. And it's great. But to really have that experience, you have to be in the other state quite a lot, which is being fucking ungrateful. And yet, so after a period of time, the idea of gratitude started getting infused in my attitude and outlook, where I don't have the experience of gratitude that often anymore, because I'm in a state of gratitude. Yeah. Now, it's not as traumatic as an experience, but I like it a lot better, because you can really rest in a state. You can really rely on it. It's not based on, it's not coming and going, it's not based on circumstances and situations. It's the mind's entertaining it in and of itself. It just needed, like a mimicking, it just needed uh, uh, something to mimic or to see. Yeah? Once it sees it, it can start entertaining it, because it's from mind. Yeah? So yeah, so those, those moments are like three samples, so you can entertain that. But it's not, it may not look like that, like all blissful this and that. That's a phenomenon, that's an experience, that's like a peculiar shade of, of what is colorless, you know? In manifestation, it takes on shades, but it's colorless. It has, there's no quality to it, in a way. Yeah? And they may be great, but a lot of people, it occurs is when their mind moves out of that state, which it does, and now other states become dominant, they yearn for that one state. They want to go back. Yeah? And they get caught in that little spider web of seeking. Yeah? And so that state now is being used to sort of measure up to every state you're in and everything is seems seems wanting to that state. That's selfing. The mind has claimed that its own absence is using it as a marker to judge you by. Yeah? This is like that's why I like the term dog shit awareness. It's just everyday onness, yeah. I had a lot more experiences, spiritual experiences out there when I was running around looking. I don't have any spiritual experiences anymore. In a sense, because it doesn't. <laughs> this is not an experience for me. You know what I mean? It's just from and it allowed, and tons of different things come up in it. But the one, yeah, it's like a bowl. You can put tons of different soups in it, but the bowl's the bowl. Yeah, 
It's it's allowing. It's what it it holds all the soup, but it ain't the soup. Yeah. So to me, what we are isn't an experience, and we're actually not a state. We're beyond that, really. And so, yeah, you can get into experiences if you meditate four hours today, yeah, and you did four hours of yoga. You know what I mean? And you did a juice fast. You'd get really high. You would. You'd feel like clear and light, and you'd be like that. Yeah. You'd have an experience, but it's probably not going to stabilize. Because you're going to walk by a pizza stand or have a hamburger and then the experience will change. You'll feel heavy again and this and that. Yeah? So all experiences are, def- are limited by the fact that they're experience. Yeah? They come and go. But there's other ways to live where the recognition or the attention isn't so much on the coming and going, but on what never goes and not, never leaves, comes. Yeah? That gives you a very strong stabilization. To me, that's worthy of the word solution, you know? That's worthy of reliance. Because it's always available at all times. All amidst the coming and going, the amplification, the, you know, the diminishing, the loud, the soft, the silence, the noise, it's always there. Yeah? Of course, you have preferences. I'd like it to be this way. But if, if the preference is the only way, you block out everything that is, you know? Yeah, the mind's... That's why they always talk about, you know, if you have a preference, it's like... Or if there's a discrimination, it's like the difference between heaven and hell. Heaven and hell is produced, yeah? As soon as the mind goes yes and no, it's in the world of opposites. Yeah. So yeah, I'm telling you, in a sense, my spirituality is probably the most boring it's ever been. It used to be great when I was like, you know, had angst and surrendering on the cliffs, you know, with my hair and blowing in the wind. And I feel the presence. Now it's just dog shit awareness. Fucking, you know, walk around and <laughs> I mean, on, on, on. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I really wouldn't. And that's the good news. I wouldn't. I don't have no interest in experiences that much. I like the surfing stuff, but I have no spiritual experiences. I'm not going to do a ten day retreat and take saunas and fucking do any, you know, because I know those experiences come and go. But the mind loves them, and then it gives a lot of meaning to them. And what doesn't come and go is the habit of that mind. Now the mind remembers it, uses it to beat the shit out of you. And, yeah. So be careful what mind candy you take. Because it may produce cavities. <laughs> Literally. So, that's it for tonight.